tiny bubbles. Tiny bubble levels, that is. That's right. I've got Jim to my right. I knew you were going to like it, Jim. Uh, Nick, across from us. We're going to talk about bubble levels on rifle scopes today, something, Nick, you're very familiar with. And uh, just kind of like the who, what, where, when, why about bubble levels on rifle scopes. I think that's great. In about approximately 10 minutes-ish, Ish. As, we, as we always like to say. Nick, uh, you do a lot of precision stuff. Uh, you do have a recently broke foot. Yeah. I just... We're, uh, I was like, you know what, let's do it. We're going to address the foot in the, in the room today. This might go over 10 minutes. It l- doesn't look good. Yeah, yeah. I, I sprained it and broke it. So <laughs> Both. Oh, double yeah. whammy. Yeah, I got the double whammy. I'm so used to wearing my, my running shoes that have their zero drop shoes. And I was at an event this week where uh, I was wearing dress shoes that had a little bit of a heel on them, and I caught it on the curb and pop, pop, crunch. <laughs> So, gosh, and yeah, I would have thought you, you're never mind. I was gonna say something. Um, dress shoes are dangerous. Don't dress up. Yeah, don't dress up. Dress, dress shoes down. are dangerous. Yep, don't dress <laughs> up. Hazard to your health. They're too slick, too, I find. You know what I mean? They got those slick bottoms. That yeah. helps on the dance floor. Oh, it, uh, that's what that's for. For mm-hmm. the electric slide. I'm not, a, I'm not a big dresser upper, <laughs> not a big dancer. Hmm. Anyway, we got all that stuff out of the way. Back to bubble levels. Nick, why you always have one on your rifle, you're, you're an advocate of it. What is the bubble level doing? Why, why, why would a person need one on their rifle? Right. So at, we, we went uh, some length on the um, kind of math behind canting a rifle and how that throws off point of impact, both uh, slightly from a vertical standpoint, but also from, mostly from a horizontal standpoint. The reason why I have a bubble level on my rifle, and I don't utilize it all the time, right? So I've been shooting long enough that I'm pretty good at leveling out a reticle very well without the use of actually referencing that level. Mm-hmm. However, if I'm shooting at an exceptionally small target at you know an exceptional distance, then having the rifle as level as possible benefits you from a hit percentage standpoint. Okay. And when, like you said, you're really good at that now. Did the bubble level help you get there because you could like cross ref? You're like, okay, I think I'm, I think I'm good. And then you check, and you're like, oh, wait, maybe I need to adjust a little bit. But like, so did, did that give you kind of like those two points of reference where that helped you become like more adept at leveling out your rifle? I don't know if it helped me directly from, uh, from a learning standpoint, but where it really helps out is if you're doing a class with students and you see that they're kind of being sporadic left and right point of impacts, especially at distance, and you're trying to diagnose you know, what it is in the shooting form, maybe there's something else going on, and then you look down and you see that their rifle's canted quite a bit. Or you, mean, you might see them cant their rifle, and then you watch as they break their next shot, did they actually level it back out? And then you can bring it in as a teaching point of, okay, yes, you do have to you know, level out that rifle, use your bubble level as reference. It, it can be a very handy tool for that. Sometimes even with a perfectly level reticle to the gun and the gun's level, if you're a right-handed shooter, it'll look like it's canted off one way. If you're a left-handed shooter, it'll look like it's canted off the other just because the way your head has to come in behind the scope, I've noticed at least. Is that something that you feel like a lot of newer shooters tend to run into as well? They look at it and they think, oh, well, no, something's wrong here. A lot of that is also if you're not lined up straight behind your rifle. So if your body's canted off to one direction or the other, which Mm. is one of the things that I like to talk about when we talk about fundamentals of marksmanship, if you are in a shooting scenario where you can line straight up behind your rifle, that perception of a canted reticle does start to actually go away a little bit. If you have your body tipped off to the side where you have to lay your head down on the gun, then it can definitely look like your reticle's canted even when it's not. Yeah. Yeah, definitely something to consider because, I mean, a lot of times you don't have that perfect 
directly behind the rifle shooting position. Right. We're not often presented with that either in competition or a hunting scenario. Yeah, yeah, and that that's a that's a huge thing too. When you are shooting from a platform or from um, even you know a hunting sh- scenario, you're shooting from the top of a hill or from the top of a boulder or something like that. Getting a proper where you can get straight behind the rifle is not always po- possible. So being able to actually reference what correct level is without having any other reference downrange. You mean if you, even the fence post, which should be pounded into the ground at a relatively straight up and down, it probably isn't perfectly level. So if you reference off of that, it might not be right. Mm, good point. Gotcha. How big, how big a difference can it make in your precision? Pretty significant, especially at extended distance. You know, it's a, it's a factor of how much elevation you're having to input into the optic. So whether you're dialing or holding over, it is one of the benefits of actually holding over is that you can pretty easily see if your reticle is off to one side of the target or not due to cant. When you oh. dial and you're holding on the center of the reticle, it's a lot harder to perceive that. Interesting. I never thought about that one before, John. Oh, yeah. I'm visualizing in my head now. Yeah. That does make sense. If you're shooting, let's say, 1,000 yards and you're holding 10 mils of your target, you put that 10 mil mark on there and you look up, wow, center of my reticle's way here. off to the yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, then you're pretty easy to see there's something wrong. Okay, sure. Interesting. What about uh, mounting? We got we've got a, a visual aid here, mm-hmm. uh, Nick, that we actually just just kind of mocked up for uh, uh, demonstration purposes here. Where should you mount it? Like we've got it mounted, I guess you know, four of the uh, the turret housing yep. there, a little bit forward on on the scope tube there. But you were saying like that's a great spot for it, but it's not the only spot for it. Correct. Yeah. Uh, so especially, the, it's a lot of personal preference. Uh, depending on the size of the bubble level, you might want to have it mounted forward of the turret. And and that would be so that's more easily easy to see out of your peripheral vision, so you don't have to like, change your focus directly over to the bubble level. Unless you're using something like an electronic le- bubble level with lights, you'll still have to probably not fully reference it out of your peripheral. Uh, but having that bubble level forward, especially with a small one, might make it more difficult to see. I see some people with the low-profile levels like this bringing it closer to the eye. Um, if you're using a larger bubble level, mounting it forward is good. The only downside of really mounting it forward to the turret is that it's blocking your parallax adjustment. So you can't easily reference where you are within your parallax range. Yep, yep. So yeah, when it's back here, kind of down towards muzzle end of the rifle, then it's not in the way of any dials. Correct. Yep. Gotcha. Okay, yeah. Yeah, no, that actually makes a lot of sense. There's a few different styles. Mm-hmm. We have we have a couple here. We've got one, uh, I guess our low pro one. Uh, I mean, what... What considerations there as far as like a person, like like the style of bubble, there's some other additional ones out on the market as yeah. well. So what we have, uh, what we currently sell is the the more standard, what people would consider to be a quote unquote bubble level or a spirit level. Um, a spirit level is bubble of gas or air in inside of a vial, usually of a neon liquid so that it's more visible. Um, and that functions from a it kind of fights against the force of gravity. So it, it functions on, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Stuff floats to the surface. Anyway. That one. Yeah, I know what you're talking word. about. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but Displacement? It works, it works against the force of gravity. Sure. So if you tip your gun to the right, the bubble goes left. Tip your gun to the left, bubble goes right. So that's how you check whether or not you're level. You also have what's called an inclinometer. And typically with an inclinometer, you can see it with a, with a gas in a tube. Uh, but... More commonly, inclinometers have a ceramic or metal ball inside of it, so that goes with the force of gravity. So if you tip your gun to the right, the ball goes right. Tip your gun to the left, the ball goes left. Um, Where inclinometers are beneficial is where you start 
putting them into a, a vial or a tube that's actually curved in shape, and you can mark off that tube uh, with lines that represent a certain amount of cant. So if you, for some reason, want to know exactly how much you're canting your rifle, yeah. you can reference that. Okay, that's two degrees, three degrees, four degrees, etc. The old, the old school spirit level is more just like, am I level or am I not? Right. Yeah. Can we go, in, Mark? I, I want to go briefly back to mounting because oh, one thing yeah. that I always wondered about bubble levels is you, you can't just get it and slap it on. Right. Like yeah. be, it's very important that because the rifle scope is a tube, mm-hmm. so it's not if if rifle scopes were just like a square, it'd be really easy to just be like, yep, I have it now on the upward flat of the square. But they're tubes, so you have kind of this infinite adjustability with where it can be situated on the rifle scope tube. And so the bubble level needs to be level to the actual rifle itself and the scope and or the reticle. Oh, no, so it needs to be level to the reticle. Yes, it needs to be level to the reticle. It doesn't matter how level it is to the rifle itself. Okay. Although having a reticle that is not perfectly level to your weapon system matters, it doesn't matter enough to actually consider it, in my opinion, at least. Uh, it, it's a very small factor. Uh, however, having it perfectly leveled to the reticle itself is important because obviously that's what we're trying to make sure is level while we're firing. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, the reticle, we usually try to level to the rifle when we mount it. It depends. But in, in a lot of cases, yes. Uh, okay. I would say the, the wide, the, the, uh, the wide, I would say that most of the time when you're leveling a uh, reticle or leveling a rifle scope, you're leveling it to the rifle. However, you know, I have a couple of rifles at home that do not have a uh, integral rail that are fairly severely canted. So if I leveled it to the rail and then mounted the scope and then tried to level oh. the, you know, the reticle to the rail as well, then I have a pretty severely canted optic. Okay. So I have to kind of mount it based on how I shoulder the weapon instead. Okay. Mm-hmm. So do you, to mount, to level the bubble level to the rifle scope's reticle, do you use like a plumb bob on a wall somewhere and then you get the, the rifle scope level and then you adjust that bubble level until it's level and then now, okay, that's where I lock it in? So what I like to do is, it kind of depends on the rifle scope. If I have one that I believe that I'm, yes, I'm going to go ahead and mount it according to the top of the turret or something or, or as long as it's within a certain parameter, I'd be fine with doing that. Um, having a plumb bob downrange to ensure that you're re- leveling the reticle to something that's properly level and then mounting the bubble level accordingly is probably, I would say, the most accurate way to actually do it, though. Hmm. Okay. Can you tell I don't use bubble levels? <laughs> <sighs> Guilty. Yeah. I probably should. Yeah, I probably should. Maybe. Going back to what you were saying, though, earlier about mounting it in relationship to the reticle, like we've talked about this a little bit before, but sometimes you intentionally induce a little bit of cant to mm-hmm. accommodate how the rifle fits you. Yes. You know, like everything, like you, so like when you bring it into your shoulder, it actually is level? Correct. So uh, then you'd want to do the bubble level in line. I guess it just further, I guess, corroborates why you'd want to have that relationship with the bubble level with the reticle. Right. And I think, I, I hate to misrepresent a podcast. I, I, I heard you guys talking with Ian Clem. I believe he had talked about how for a natural point of aim, his rifle actually had to be slightly canted, so he accommodated that by slightly canting his rifle scope, so it was plumb. Mm-hmm. And, and and you might end up having to do that if you actually properly fit your weapon system to your body, um, you know, depending on the stock, depending on the rail. You know, there's a lot of other factors that go into it, but you might have to have the rifle itself canted to properly fit your body. Um, there are some manufacturers of chassis and stocks that have a butt pad that can be rotated to accommodate that as well, so mm-hmm. you can level that mm-hmm. out accordingly too. But 
yeah, yeah, you absolutely might have to to have those scopes slightly canted to be properly fitted. Mm-hmm. Right. Sorry, I took us way off your printout there, Mark. But I <laughs> no. thought it was pertinent <laughs> information. No, that's a good question. Sometimes you got to do a loop to cover the cover the ground, Jim. What about when are you checking the reticle in your shooting process? Because I know one thing for me, like it's like the okay, bubble level. The bubble Sorry level. Sorry to interrupt. Oh, what did I say? The reticle. Oh, yeah, you're yeah. always checking the reticle. I guess. <laughs> yeah, you better be. Uh, Just uh, looking off in space. <laughs> I probably ought to check this. Is <laughs> anybody looking through this thing? <laughs> Now I've lost my train. Um, oh, I know. So when I'm looking through the rifle scope right. mm-hmm. at the reticle, and I'm trying to like break an accurate shot, I don't like. I want to keep my concentration and focus there. And sometimes I feel it's like, oh, I better check my level. So then I check the level, and then I look away from what I'm doing, and then I'm kind of off from what I was doing before. Like, when are you checking the reticle in your shooting process? Uh, the bubble level. The bubble level. <laughs> I don't mean to keep doing this. But I just want to Please make sure the listeners are aware. Okay, bubble level. Yes, so you check the bubble level in your shooting process. For me, it, it, a lot of times it comes down to, so if I'm shooting in a competition like in PRS, if I'm shooting off of a barricade that, you know, maybe we're on a hilltop and I'm shooting down into a valley, maybe on the side of another hill where I don't have a lot of reference for what level is, when I build a position on that barricade, I'll, I'll check my level to make sure that what I'm perceiving downrange to actually be level. Once I have checked that and, and kind of have a visual reference of, okay, what level looks like on this target, I don't have to check it every shot. Mm. I can then re-engage with the same perceived okay. angle. And I'm good enough. You've I mean, trained your brain. Correct. You trained your brain. You, you've looked at the site picture. You know what that site picture should look like. Now I can go ahead and engage that target. Neat. Okay. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. If Jim- you have the target size decrease dramatically, even if you're shooting from a prone position, I mean, if you're shooting like a sub MOA target at 1,000, you should probably be checking a bow level because a one degree can't will cause you to miss that target. So hmm. it's pretty easy to be off one degree. Gotcha. I'm keeping the listeners on their toes today, Jim. You, <laughs> you better bit. be. You better you be following pay, along. Pay That's attention. Right. Pay right. attention. Look, look, this is why we have two people. <laughs> Redundancies, Jim. This is you know, yes. If you've been shooting effectively without a bubble level, should you get one? This if is you're a personal a- question, right? Yeah. If your application changes at all, so if you're if you're a hunter and you're keeping everything inside of 300 yards, you have a fairly forgiving size target, the vital zone of, let's say, a white-tailed deer, what, 8 to 10 inches, somewhere in there, you canting your rifle a little bit's not going to matter dramatically. As long as you're in the realm, you'll still hit your target if you have all the factors correct. If you're going to take that same rifle and try ELR with it on smaller targets, then I would definitely recommend throwing a bubble level on there. But, it, yeah, unless your application changes and you're already effective with it and you're not it's it's definitely not a requirement by any means if you're already effective. There's no scenario where a properly set up bubble level would ever be like, oh, I wish that wasn't there. No, right? yeah. I mean, I mean, it's they're pretty small. They're pretty out of the way. Yeah. It's not like you're ever going to be like, oh, this is a this is a hunt or a shoot where I, I would definitely want to not have a bubble. <laughs> right. level. Unless you're lightweight, Dave, and that's a problem. You know, yeah, half that, an that ounce could or whatever. Be, Dave's probably <laughs> looking at that like other people look at a lead ingot. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, how many grams is that, oh Jim? Gosh. Oh my gosh, I, I don't know where that's going to fit in my spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> Jim, what do you got? What do you got? Well, you just mentioned that there's the uh, we know. I know we talked about a couple of different uh, types of bubble levels, but the other one I, I'm uh, I think is pretty cool is that electronic one. Yes, with the lights. Yeah, because then you really don't even have to take your attention away from the rifle scope. That actually, uh, 
it, it, it almost looks like, here's a car reference for you. I don't know if I've done one of those in a while. It almost looks like the shift lights in a race car. Yes. You know what I mean? Where you're like green, 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 yellow, red. Okay. And it's just sort of like, you know, you get that little light indicator right out of the corner of your eye. It's pretty cool. Yeah. The the best bubble level on the market today, as far as I'm concerned, is the Send It Level from Long Range Arms, uh, which is actually recently acquired by MDT. A humongous piece of equipment to have on your rifle. Uh it's actually like humongous in size or effectiveness. No, as far as your your ability to perform as a shooter, uh, it's it's it has so many benefits and how it functions uh, in comparison to the other type of bubble levels where you're talking about spirit levels or a uh, inclinometer. Mm-hmm. For one, one of the issues that you have with spirit levels and inclinometers is that they start to lose accuracy as you increase or decrease your incline. So especially over about 20 degrees, okay. that becomes pretty highly inaccurate. And you just imagine you have this bubble level at a perfectly flat angle, right? When you're shooting at 20, zero degrees and I start to cant it, you see how fast that thing moves. Sure. Mm-hmm. But as I tip it up, I'll go like this and it starts to cant it this way, or I'm sorry, this way, it moves slower. Yeah, and, a little, yeah, a little less reactive. And and the reason for that is is that 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 has to be sitting at a at a zero degree angle to be to actually be accurate. Uh, whereas if you take uh, the electronic levels, they I believe they use a uh, gyroscope internally to to function. Uh, I'd have to make sure val- validate that. But the benefit of them is is that if you're shooting at a high angle, it's just as accurate as if you're shooting at twenty degrees or zero degrees. Hmm. Yeah. How big is this? Yeah, they're, now that we got on the topic of size, right? Right. Yeah, no, they're actually pretty small. They're, I think maybe maybe about two inches. Like they're pretty pretty small. They have uh, a series of lights on them. You have uh, a green light in the center, that green for go. You have blue and red, and then you can actually set them up, customize them for the amount of sensitivity. I, I think it's like one degree off to go to green or, or blue or red. It might even be come down to a half a degree. I think the factory setting is what people mostly end up running because it's actually very tight tolerance already. They can be calibrated. Um, there's multiple mounting options. You can have it mounted vertical or horizontal so it doesn't stick out of your gun a long ways. Yeah, so it's it's a great piece of equipment that's becoming extremely popular, especially in like the PRS. Yeah. And you can see it out of your peripheral vision without looking anywhere right. else. Right. You're looking through your scope. And you see a series of lights. As soon as you see a green light out of your peripheral, oh, go ahead and shoot. Bang. Gotcha. Yeah. It's one of the biggest cool. benefits. That you don't have to cool. look away from your scope at all. That was my last thing. That's all I got. Cool. I'm, I'm out of bubble level ammo. <laughs> yeah. I'm just do you want to do I'm more just, singing for us, though? I'm just happy I'm saying bubble level again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Good job, Mark. We all come around eventually. <laughs> Nick, thank you. Yeah, of course. Did we cover everything? You've got a printout, which yeah, I like. Yeah, I, I, made, I made some notes in case I forgot some other things. Um, I think we cover most of it. The, the, biggest, the biggest downside of something like the, um, the long-range arms uh, bubble level or leveling device is the fact that it does have some costs associated with it. Compared to a spirit level, it's a lot more money. You're talking like 200 250 bucks compared to you know, 20 30 yeah. 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 So there's, yeah, you got to do cost-benefit analysis. And Correct. These definitely do a good job. Oh yeah, they, you know, so they, you don't want to you don't want to like negate their right. effectiveness as far as you know accomplishing what you're trying to do. So yeah, it's just kind of kind of what's what's for, right for you for most shooting that does more than most people could ask it to do. Yeah, right. It's it's for the really advanced shooter that something like that long range arms that send a level is is really effective. Yeah, and like anything, you know, you look at the rifles in PRS because they're shooting five to ten thousand dollar rifles, putting a two hundred dollar bubble level on there makes sense. You right. know, you have a four hundred dollar rifle putting a two hundred dollar bubble level on it might not. <laughs> so 
There you go. Maybe. Depending on who you are. Right. Sweet. I like it. All right. Well, hopefully we've answered your bubble level questions out there. If you'd like to hear more singing, comment below. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's I'm an not invitation. Sa- I'm not, yeah, I'm not saying I, I would do it. Uh, just you know, just curious. Uh, asking for a friend. Thanks everybody for listening. If you got additional questions, let us know. Nick, thanks for the time. Absolutely. Thanks for your bubble level knowledge. We'll catch you guys on the next one. Bye guys. Bye.